Welcome to the WP Tonic WordPress and SaaS podcast. Jonathan Denwood and his co-host Stephen Souder interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Take it away, guys. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SAS. It's episode 669. We've got a fantastic guest. We've got Debbie with us, Debbie Lavette. And I'm going to let Debbie introduce herself. She's the founder and CEO of Delta CX. We're going to be talking about all things UX. Um, I'm pumped up for the discussion. Debbie's a bit of a character. She's up for it. So, Debbie, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the tribe? Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Good to see you, Jonathan and Spencer. I'm Debbie Levitt. I'm from uh, Delta CX, and you can find us at deltacx.com. Basically, we are a full-service CX and UX consultancy, helping people with UX and CX projects, uh, helping customers and companies shift towards more customer centricity, helping people find ways to save time and money and uh, improve their business intelligence and risk mitigation through fantastic customer experiences. So I've got over 20 years in strategy, research, and uh, design, though my background is not art. I come from the psychology side. So I'm happy to answer any questions anybody has about UX, including what the heck is that? That's great. And uh, um, my normal co-host, Stephen, is still sunning himself in Mexico, the swine. And but. But a regular panelist on my Friday round ta- round table show has agreed to join me, even though he's feeling a little bit poorly. That's Spencer Forum. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to the tribe? I want to first say I love Debbie as a guest because she and I share so many commonalities. As I go, I have a psych background. My whole business revolves around customer experience. But I'm Spence from WPLaunchify.com. Many of you know me already listen to the show. But I definitely, when we get started, want to ask Debbie to define some things because I think a lot of people don't understand what is CX or UX. I mean, there's a lot of good acronyms there, but. Yes, they love, in that field, they love the acronyms, that's for sure. Uh, Ram, but before we go into the main part of the interview, we've got a message from one of my major sponsors. Be back in a few moments, folks. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you are just pray at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. We're coming back. I just want to point out that Castos is offering a fantastic special offer for the tribe. Plus, if you go to this specific page, there's some other great offers. And also, if you're looking for the best recommendations for a specific plugin or WordPress service, you'll find them on this page. How do you get to that page? 
that is the question. Well, you go to WPTonic slash recommendations and it's all there for you, tribe. So let's go into the meat and potatoes of this interview. So, um, Debbie, um, you, you, I think you're best well known in the UX community as somebody that's not got the best feelings towards design thinking. Uh, um, so let's start with that. Uh, first of all, can you tell us um, what you think design thinking is when it comes to UX and um, maybe one or two? Yes, Spencer, what would you? And could we please, for the benefit of the listeners, Define CX and UX. Because, Let's start well, there. Well, we might be here. Uh, I'll leave you. No, no, I've, I'm, uh, I'm used to short versions. I, will leave, I, will, I don't think it's well known. Yeah, I yeah. will leave it to Debbie's discretion. Um, but if Debbie it. wants to cover all that, we'll probably be here for the whole half hour, but I'll leave that to her. So if you want to do that, Debbie, plus tell us what you don't like about this specific genre of the industry. Off, over to you, Debbie. Yeah, sure. So CX and UX are really simple. I don't need all day. CX is customer experience. UX is user experience. I see them as the same thing. Some companies do split them up. They think their CX team are the people who run surveys and they're from the marketing department. And let's try to figure out if people are happy. But I think by the time you're doing that, it's too late. You've already released something to the public that might suck. People are leaving you bad ratings. They're tweeting grumpy crap about you. I feel like that's a little bit reactive. So let's talk about UX, the user experience. And again, to me, I don't differentiate between the two. And the idea for user experience is that it's the more psychology than art of making websites, apps, digital interfaces, and even services user-friendly, easy to learn, easy to use, logical, intuitive. Hey, this just works. Hey, this is what I needed. You want people to feel that. Let's just call it that in short. Right. So in other words, like in layman's terms, the bottom line is the user's journey is really the thing that is being focused upon. And the differences between the CX and UX aren't really as important because quite frankly, almost every web experience today involves customers or users. It's all it's the They're same humans. thing. Nobody's just building pretty sites to read the blogs on anymore. Nobody right. wants your brochure where they, they, you know, everybody comes to your site with a task to accomplish, whether that task is consuming content or uh, perusing things, you know, deciding to buy and then actually buying. And and we, we need to make sure everything is built for all of those tasks to make them easy and obvious. So hopefully that definition flies for, for my panel here today. <laughs> and then let's talk about design thinking because design thinking is hot and often talked about, but the amazing thing is that no two people seem to have the same definition of it. So I am against design thinking because what is it? Um, we did an episode on my uh, show, episode 108 on Delta CX YouTube channel called What Isn't Design Thinking? And we read a number of definitions of design thinking and and they they were all just... Uh, I don't know, just kind of buzzword bingo, I would say. So let me tell you the origins of oh, design thinking. Could, could you say that again? That's a lovely buzzword bingo. Design bingo. Buzzword bingo. bingo. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've got a bingo card with typical buzzwords on it, you can win the bingo game because, ooh, hold on. Someone said empathy. Let me mark off empathy. Oh, I, like, she's ooh, got, I like how you have the said, magic fairy dust, too. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. She, lo- Whenever, she, loves, she loves her special effects. I, well, I decided to put into my live shows the some of the production value people put into pre-recorded shows. So I That's figured, fantastic. why not bring them to life? So let's. So I just did an article, which you can find on Medium, called Was Design Thinking Designed? to not work. And I think when you take a look at the origins of design thinking, the story is pretty clear. There is a famous design firm called IDEO, I-D-E-O, which many people have heard of. And in the early 2000s, after one of the dot-com crashes, um, they found that their business super dropped. You remember the early 2000s, y'all? The three of us were there. I was there. And they found, I had to redefine myself. I don't know about you. And they found that their business had super dropped. And they decided instead of selling projects, why don't we sell a methodology? Why don't we be the uh, masters or owners of a methodology? And that will really rake in the bucks. And so they took a term that already existed, which was design thinking, and they changed it so that it was this super watered down Fisher Price version of what they were doing, which was really using user-centered design, which is what UX people call their process. And so basically by having like UX the home game, you know, it's like like buying the game operation and saying, surely now I'm a surgeon. And so they made this kind of watered down version where things that take me weeks or, or a couple of months to do really well with, as I like to say, science and technique and strategy. <laughs> they were saying you can do in just a few days by getting into a room with sticky notes. And the amazing thing is that um, there's, I even, in my article, I even found that idea was out there saying, we know this doesn't work. We know it's theater at most companies and yet they haven't tried to fix it. So I I have a hypothesis that design thinking was designed for you to feel addicted to this thing that tells you, you can do what Debbie does. You can do what Debbie does. Just do these five easy steps and get in a room and play some games and you can do what Debbie does. And the reality is that uh, no offense, but it's hard to do what I do well. Anybody can do what I do, but not everybody's going to do it well. UX is complicated and difficult, and it's like the old Saturday Night Live line. Uh, Toon says the cat can drive, but not very well. <laughs> is so, this like Five Love Languages, that book that comes out? That if, if literally you want to relationship, you need to yeah. use words of affirmation, or you need yeah. to use, to, you know, touch or whatever the five are, because it sounds like what they're saying is, there's a professional level of understanding that's required and experience to really do this effectively. But somehow this idea is sold the public or the corporate public on the idea that just pick one of these five boxes and have somebody read off the, you know, what's on the card and everything will be groovy. It's pretty, I think it's pretty much that. I think you're not far off because again, I mean, who wouldn't want to be like IDEO? It's like saying you can be a Disney Imagineer. It's incredibly dreamy. It's incredibly seductive. Who wouldn't want to buy that book or take that course or get that certificate? So I understand the attraction to it, but I think that it is selling a fantasy. It's selling the fantasy. It's like saying, you know, you can be a dentist by reading this book. You know, you can, and and so, and we you think about IDEO themselves, they they aren't hiring design thinkers necessarily. They were hiring um, psychologists, industrial designers, human factors engineers. They weren't, you know, hiring 
John and Spencer who took a two-day course in design thinking, and but they were selling it like, if you take this course, you can do what we do. And, and my point in my article was, what, what innovative company like IDEA would invent something that puts them out of business? They would have to leave something out so that you would always need them. It's like how my grandmother never told you there was coffee in her chocolate cake and that's why it tasted so good. Right. So are you suggesting that, the, sorry, John, uh, this is, this fits into the framework of large scale companies or enterprises probably who are hiring maybe from within for doing these, let's just call it like, you know, the design workshops. process workshops versus what could have, would have, in your opinion, should be the case, which is that they really need to enlist the aid of a specialist, somebody with your level of experience who has an understanding of the the deeper processes and the deeper ways that this work out. And, and a question that comes to mind in that regard is, can you contrast this conversation to like what people in the WordPress space, if that's something you're familiar with, would be doing? So yeah. we've got all these WYSIWYG tools in the block builder, but in the corporate space, they're not really using WordPress in the same way. You know, maybe it's sure. one of 10,000 things they're using. So how do these uh, problems or issues or concerns apply in maybe the design space of WordPress? As well. Yeah, I think that because design thinking is hot, everybody's claiming to do it. So it could even be WordPress developers and WordPress web designers out there who are now saying, I'm a design thinker. And I say, whatever. But I think when you think about WordPress, and I certainly know a couple of things about WordPress. I've been using it for many years. And my boyfriend is uh, not only uh, running his own WordPress design company, but he's heavily involved with WordPress on the Polyglots team. He uh, translates WordPress elements into Italian, which means he also gets uh, sneak previews of things. And so um, so if you ever see at Pier Mario ever in the uh, automatic Slack, that is my boyfriend. and. Love him. Hi, honey. And so um, I'm on a WordPress podcast tonight, honey. Can't hear you. Have my monitors in. Um, so what was that? That was uh, hydrogen peroxide? What is that? I was, I, was, I was talking to my friend here who uh, shows up in the... It's my, yes, exactly. Uh, I can say he is physically located there. I can have him jump into the frame if you want to see a human. But um, basically, I would say for, for the WordPress people out there, it's kind of like if you, you, we've all worked with that person who writes a WordPress blog post and then goes, I'm a WordPress developer. You know, right, like they I, go... I've got one here. But there we are. Uh, so, uh, um, right. so, what just happened? I, I, I just interrupted. That's why. Okay, <laughs> just checking. All right. Uh, um, so, um, would just to finish off the first half of the interview, Debbie, um, could you also explain maybe what you see as the difference between somebody that designs interface interfaces and what we've been talking so far in this interview? Because I think there is a difference, but you do get people that can combine both or but there's a lot of, um, I think, confusion over that. Can you can you attempt to try and clarify that? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll answer what I think your question is, and and that is, what is the difference between someone who is a web designer and maybe a UX designer? Because I think right. a lot of web designers think they're UX designers, and as a UX specialist, I often look at their work and go, kind of no. Well, they um, so- they want to be because. 
Sure. Well, um, also, UX is higher, higher. Sometimes rates. UX gets paid more. Sure. Yeah. And, is, and UX, so, is UX front end also? Can you clarify that? Uh, you know, is it is front end versus back end like part of what the UX specialty is? Like, whereas a web designer is obviously front end. Uh, so UX is typically not coding anything. Um, so, but hypothetically, we might be part of backend decisions because part of UX is information architecture, which has to do with taxonomies, hierarchies, and structures. So sometimes we are collaborating with a backend uh, database person. I mean, for the make- employees of the company who have to deal with the the content management, right? So, for example, does the UX person ever have a say so in? what that might look like, like a custom post editor and WordPress and stuff. Yeah, so it depends what what that is. There's a lot of different moving pieces here, and I think we've now asked six questions, so I'm trying to keep track of them all. But um, And we also have the content strategist who often uh, writes the content or handles the content, the UX person. So let me answer my first question, which was, what's the difference between a web designer and a UX designer? And to me, it's not just the title or the pay or the prestige or whatever, but to me, the letter U in UX is for your users. And what I find is the main difference difference is when a project comes through, let's say you're doing WordPress websites and you've got a client and the client says, I want you to make me a better landing page. And you go, sure, I'm good at this. Here's your better landing page. I would see that as web design. If a client comes to you and says, I wish we understood our customers better so that we could make web pages that make better sense to them naturally. And then if you're a UX practitioner, if you're a researcher, you could say, great, I'm going to spin up some research with 20 or 30 of your users or customers or visitors or target audience who've never seen your website. And I'm going to tell you more about people. I'm going to tell you more about their decision-making, their tasks, their processes, their, their preferences and their priorities so that we can build the best website for them. And then before it goes live, I'm going to do usability testing to make sure that we really have built the right thing for people. It's kind of the QA a of UX. And so that's what a UX process looks like in super short and how it's different from web design because uh, many uh, UX designers do start out as web designers, but you would have to be studying more of that psychology and more of how you research or interact with users to really learn from them. Because when we go into interviews, we don't say, hey, what do you want? We don't do that. We have all kinds of psychology-based techniques where where it's really the science of the thing and it's not, hey, what do you want? Or, hey, if I built a thing that had a thing, would you want it? You know, these are all very bad questions, but are commonly asked by people who really don't know what else to do. So to me, um, there's an overlap for sure. And if people want to be proper UX designers, I would say you're going to need to learn more about cognitive psychology and human behavior, perhaps behavioral economics. And you'll also want to learn some of our proper techniques and approaches and best practices. Uh, Because if you're just saying, hey, client, I'll just give you whatever you want. We don't see that as as UX because where was the you, the user? Where's the user in that? Yes. Right. Thank you so much for that, Debbie. And um, I apologise for all the questions that were thrown, but you dealt with it very well, Debbie. Uh, um, So we're going to go for our break and we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? 
and you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding. Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Are you a creative WordPress agency with a design focus? But are you looking for a great quality development partner, a technical development partner that really knows everything around WordPress and can help you with complicated build outs? Well, I've got a fantastic solution and partner here, Hustlefish. Now with Hustlefish, they've got many years experience in helping design-focused agencies get superb results with very technical and complicated WordPress build-outs. If this sounds like the partner that you need, go over to hasslefish.com and book a free consultation. They'd be delighted to help you. We're coming back from our mid-break. Debbie's in in great form. Handling... Spencer and myself with a plum. I do feel like you, you not only handled that with a plum, but you really did clarify something, and it causes me to want to ask you a follow-up. Which yeah, is, can, I, uh, finish, can I finish off by, uh, uh, before, <laughs> <laughs> before you... Yeah, Jonathan and I have never met, as you can tell. Yeah, uh, Rob, we've never, never, never been on the same screen together. No, no. But before, before Spencer answers <laughs> his question, um, I would like to point out that if you want to sign up, for the WP Tonic newsletter, which um, I send out every Monday, which has an editorial written by myself. Uh, You can do that. Plus, it's got some fantastic stories and normally about what we've discussed on the Friday show. You can get this fantastic weekly newsletter by going to WP Tonic slash newsletter and sign up for that. I suggest that you should do that. So back over to you, Spencer. I can see you're just gutting to give a question to Debbie. So over to you. I, you know, like we're like Felix and Oscar, the odd couple here. We've only known each other like 10 years. Um, it feels much longer than it feels same, much longer than that, Spencer. We're still living in the same apartment. Um, okay. So here's what I've heard you say. And I think this is useful because we speak all the time to freelance designers. That's, again, where you and I share a specialty in the WordPress space in particular. Sounds like what you're saying is UX may not actually have as its primary focus and shouldn't have the design part like a web designer does, but rather it's the human psychology, it's the processes, it's the interacting with people. And perhaps that process may focus primarily on nothing to do with the color schemes and the placement of fonts insofar as they have no effect on the user's use of the web spite. If not, then help clarify, because let's say somebody, and here's why I'm asking the question. If somebody was interested in this space in becoming a UX specialist, I understand there's a place to go and obviously your website to talk to you about it, but like understanding the difference between a veterinarian and an optician or something, it's like two different jobs, but they clearly sure. are living in the same building. So let's refine that a little farther. What would a UX 
specialists be doing on a practical level? Absolutely. Happy to answer that. And for those watching the screen, I've got a little uh, graphic up to help explain it. So actually, UX isn't just one thing. There are multiple subspecialties across UX. And depending upon what you feel you're good at, um, you can just start with one of them. You definitely don't have to learn all of these. It's, it's uncommon to be good at all of these. So feel free to super specialize if you want to get into UX. So we start with research and we start with what's called generative research. This is where we generate information about people, contexts, and systems. So again, I'm just going to give you short versions of things, but if you're curious, you can always ask me more or Tuesdays on my YouTube show at 6.30 p.m. Italy time is ask me anything. So, you know, we can continue that there. But we start with research and that means specialty researchers. Now, after that, typically we are looking at content and that's where you have your your content strategists or your copywriters. I know that the WordPress people interface with some of those people a lot. Sometimes they're from marketing and they're writing the blog posts or, or the other website uh, copy. So that is a UX specialty. You will even see jobs if you go to LinkedIn or other sites for UX writer. It's a thing. And what makes a UX writer different for those of you writers out there is that our specialty is to say it as short as possible. So it's not really a long form style. It is a short form style, especially for what should the button say so people get it and do it um, rather than a, a long form style. for the elements on the page? We do. We have is a copywriter... Yeah, we have a co- we have people who agonize over what a button should say, and sometimes we will A B test that for weeks. Okay. Then we've got information architecture, which is something you can study. I do recommend the O'Reilly book with the polar bear on the cover. Information architecture for the World Wide Web, the latest edition, I think, came out in two thousand seventeen or eighteen. Uh, O'Reilly book with a polar bear uh, on it. It's long, but it's good, okay. and everyone should know information architecture. Even you, web designers and WordPress peeps, you can absolutely put this to good use and you will start making better websites for it, I promise, even if you don't get into UX. Then we've got what we call interaction design. This is when we're making wireframes and prototypes. Now, some people jump right into WordPress and they start making the pages. Some people mock them up, sketch them up, you know, something like that. We call that interaction design because you are designing the interactivity. You're not necessarily doing the visual design or the branding, like you said, the color or the typography. So when you think of a UX designer, they're typically doing information architecture and interaction design. Then you've, and then we have testing because you want to test it. Sorry, I don't know where I'm on my own screen here. Testing, that's done by a specialized researcher. Sometimes the designer's good at it. Usually the researcher's better at it. And then we've got visual design. And so visual design, sometimes called UI design, maybe some people think of it as brand design. Uh, that's going to be where you have your logo, your colors, your typography, the spacing of elements. It could be a style guide, a component library, a design system, a UI kit. It could be any of those things that we are going to be integrating so that you have that uh, recurring, that's more of the look and feel layer. Whereas uh, interaction design can actually be done without that. That's where you hear boxes and arrows where, you know, we're drawing kind of a blueprint version of the website with placeholders before, uh, w- before we finalize it. So for those of you web designers curious about UX, you could be looking at research. You could be looking at content strategy and writing. You could be looking at information architecture and interaction design. Or if you're more artsy, you could be looking at visual design. That's great, Debbie. Um... 
I've been watching, before this interview, I watched uh, quite a few of your um, recent interviews over the past year. And I sense sense that the industry feels that it's a little bit in crisis. Um, First of all, would you agree with that statement? And if you do agree with that statement, what do you think are the things that have led to that overall feeling in the industry? Yeah, I think UX is in a bit of trouble because what happens is we're typically hired into companies who don't understand what we do. I mean, even today uh, in this interview, it's true that a lot of people don't understand what we do. I'm here explaining it. You know, it's not like I said, I'm a lawyer and you said, I know what that is. You know, we when we talk about UX, everybody's like, I, I don't know what that is. And we're very often hired into companies and corporate environments and people don't understand what we do and they think we're web designers. They think it's just, hi, you're here. Can you move this button over here? And we are problem finders and problem solvers and critical thinkers and and mini lawyers. And so we don't want to just move that button there because we want there to be a good reason for that. We want that to solve a real problem. So what happens is a lot of companies don't utilize us correctly. And uh, instead of letting us be problem finders and problem solvers and save the company a lot of risk and waste, They just tell us what to do. Like, you know, you've all had those WordPress gigs where somebody did not want to listen to your advice and they just told you what to do and you had to decide how much do I fight this or do I just take the money? And unfortunately, we see a lot of this in in our jobs as well, despite some of our specialties and even people with master's degrees and PhDs in this stuff. Do you feel that, sorry, John, do you feel that from what you just described, do you feel like that there would be a possibility that a UX person would obviate or remove the need for a web designer in some situations. Because when you describe those six different steps or specialties, I was asking myself, now where would a web designer fit into this after you've already got a UX person? Yeah, so it's interesting. The uh, company where I'm consulting right now actually has some separate people doing UX design and uh, WordPress stuff. And actually, the WordPress person is like a little bit more connected to the marketing department. They're updating the uh, the public-facing website. They're updating blogs and uh, that sort of long-form content. And then the UX designers will go in. So, for example, the company where I'm consulting right now is a job board. So they're kind of a competitor or two indeed if you think about you know posting jobs looking for jobs and that's the company where i'm uh consulting right now in fact jonathan is i believe from england it's uh total jobs and uh in germany it's stepstone so that's where i'm consulting right now and so the the web designers are handling that kind of marketing content need and and website need and then the ux designers design the job board system so the web designers aren't necessarily the right people to go in and say here's how we design the best way for a candidate to apply for a job. Because now you got to get into that psychology of the process that a candidate would like. I mean, think about yourself. If you've ever applied for a job, it sucked, right? And it was awful (laughs) and it was too long and you wanted to throw your computer out the window. The UX researcher needs to look into 
what's going on with that, as I like to say, are people, contexts, and systems. And then the designers would take the knowledge from the researchers and they would be able to um, say, okay, this is the best way for someone to apply, to search for a job, find a job, apply for the job. And it's real. that's where a lot of that psychology comes in. So I think there are places in companies for both people. So web designers can be web designers, even if they don't want to get into UX. And there will always be need for WordPress specialists and web designers. I mean, that's what my boyfriend's been doing for decades and and he can make a full-time living at it. That's great. That's great. Maybe you're saying they're like an implementer. So in other words, the UX person is sort of mapping out all the important details to hand off to an implementer who's a WordPress specialist. And then they- Actually, in in the case of most corporate environments, the UX designer is not handing off to a WordPress person. The UX designer is handing off to an engineering team who builds the functionality. Because typically something like a job board website or a LinkedIn or whatever doesn't have WordPress as its platform. The WordPress platform exists for the public-facing website and the blog and the careers page and the come work for us and about us and all of those things. But once we get into the actual product, that's usually not built on a WordPress platform that's usually custom coded by the company. Um, and that so usually the UX people are not necessarily dealing with the, the WordPress people. The UX people are talking directly to agile and scrum teams who are then doing the back end and front end coding and, and APIs and services and things like that. Yeah, we're going to be wrapping up the podcast part of the show. Hopefully, Debbie will stay on with us for another 10, 15 minutes for our bonus sure. content bonus content. Um, you can watch the whole interview plus the bonus content on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. Please go over there and watch the whole interview plus the bonus content. Debbie's got a fantastic YouTube channel. She's very um, generous with her time. And if you're interested in what we've discussed, I would um, say definitely go over to Debbie's YouTube channel. I'll... It, that will be in the show notes on the WP Tonic website. So, Debbie, um, what is the best way for people to contact you and learn more about you? I would imagine you're going to say the YouTube channel. All the things, you know, deltacx.com, which of course is a WordPress website, uh, though it's, you know, in sad need of updating, you know, dentist's teeth, well, you got as someone they say. You get your body, you? I've, well, he's great and, and he's awesome and I highly recommend him, but I have to write the content. So, you know, I am his, uh, I am his blocker, as they say. Um, but yeah, deltacx.com, though in need of updated content, you can find me on LinkedIn as uh, Debbie Levitt, uh, D-E-B-B-I-E-L-E. V like Victor, I-T-T. And of course, my YouTube channel is called Delta CX. And I'm usually live three or four times a week uh, with various shows. On Monday, I teach design. On Tuesday, I take questions. On Wednesday, I usually do interviews or discussions. And on Friday, we make fun of wacky crap. That's great. (laughs) And Spencer, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to, Spencer? Uh, WPLaunchify.com. That's great. Um, In the bonus content, I've got my own um, thoughts about why the UX is in crisis. Uh, Interesting fact, listeners and viewers, I did my degree in UX design and I did my master in this subject. 
Um, so I know a little bit about it. Um, we'll be back next week with another fabulous guest like Debbie. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.